Hello and welcome to episode 11 of Tales from the Tireless podcast. I'm your host Scott Summers and today is going to be my review of Doctor Who series 10 episode 5 Oxygen. And uh, thank you for returning to this podcast once more uh, for another of my reviews. Uh, Oxygen of course uh, written by Jamie Matheson who wrote Mummy on the Orient Express which as I mentioned in uh, my commentary, it was an episode I absolutely loved, one of my favourite Peter Capaldi episodes, one of my favourite episodes of the new series, or just of the show, as of the show as a whole, I absolutely loved that episode, um, he also wrote Flatline, which obviously is in sort of the whole of the uh, Doctor Who fandom is praised very highly, I am uh, as I said in the minority, I wasn't the biggest flat fan of Flatline as a lot of people were. Um, obviously, I'll probably talk more about that if I have an episode talking about Flatline. Uh, and then he also, uh, with Stephen Moffat, co-wrote The Girl Who Died, uh, which I thought was a really nice episode. Um, really fit in well with that series. I loved the series as a whole. Um, and this episode directed by Charlie Palmer, who I didn't realise has has also directed one of my favourite two-parters in Doctor Who. He was the director of Human Nature, Family of Blood from Series 4. Um, sorry, Series 3. Human Nature, Family of Blood. Martha Jones, of course, in the Tenth Doctor. Um, he uh, he also directed Smith and Jones and the Shakespeare Code from that same uh, series, and he is set to direct another episode later on in this series. So I have to say, I I really enjoyed Smith and Jones. wasn't as big a fan of Shakespeare Code, but Human Nature, Family of Blood is another one of my favourites, especially if you were to just look at two-parters. That is one of my favourites, especially I thought it was a real standout in that series and just one that I absolutely love. Um, but moving on to my review of the actual episode, and I'm going to start off with, uh, as I am now doing, with what I liked about the episode, first of all. I thought the vis- the visuals this series so far have just been amazing. I I don't believe Doctor Who has had any a significantly higher budget. Uh, I don't think it, the budget has gone up at all from previous series. I don't know if I'm just noticing it more because I'm now doing reviews of episodes, but I just think the scenes all just look amazing, and you see the way that they look. You know when you when we see space, and the space suits I thought looked absolutely amazing. You know normally last few years in Doctor Who we've had that that classic orange space suit that the Doctors have all worn. I love the design of these space suits and the design of the of the space station as a whole. I thought was absolutely amazing. Another thing I really loved was. Um, I really like the base under siege as, you know, it's almost a Doctor Who trope, but the way that it was done in this episode with these, you know, almost zombie-like 
creatures of sort of because you're trapped, you're moving around, but you know that they're always following you and they're always going to keep up. They're not running after you. They're just closing in on you more and more. And I really like when a Doctor Who story does that. Another thing I love, small thing, the 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 sort of the ending and the cliffhanger um, at the end uh, where you see the the Doctor really solve the whole end of the story and ends up keeping you know the few people still alive safe and ends up managing to save Bill which is absolutely amazing. And then you see, we find out that he's still blind and that just looks a great cliffhanger into what looks like a really good uh, episode next week. Um, a couple of things I didn't like about the episode. I thought it was, it did seem to sort of lack a little bit of plot, um, obviously because it was very contained and the sort of story kept going, but... There were a few tropes which I don't think were quite used, like in the opening, the, you know, they can't hear each other, and, you know, the fact that it was only ever Bill's space that malfunctioned. Um, and then, the and then I have to say, the side characters really, I mean, we had the two at the start, of, like the trope of them not being able to hear each other, I wasn't a big fan of, um, but I did quite like those two. I did sort of feel a, a bit towards those two characters. Um, and the only other side character I really remember that much was uh, obviously our blue friend, uh, Dachren, um, pretty much just because he was blue and because of his name. And the lovely little interaction he had with Bill there, uh, where he uh, said, oh, we've rescued a racist. It was just nice to see them sort of interplay and see Bill. Uh, it was interesting. Never thought I'd see Bill um, called a racist in uh, in that way. I thought that was that was actually really cool, jumping away from the, uh, you know, my negative as a whole in the the most of them were basically red shirts to be uh, killed for the purpose of the story um, so I wasn't you know it wasn't great that uh, so yeah the most of the side characters I really didn't have any sort of attachment to um, touching on our, our heroes our main characters the doctor Peter Capaldi as I find myself keep I keep saying this. I think he was just absolutely amazing once again. You know the way he managed to save Bill and and the way that he manages to save as many people as he can when he spends most of the second half of the episode blind and manages to get them through that. And then the as I've already said, the cliffhanger into next week where he's blind. I just still loving Peter Capaldi and still not wanting him to go I thought Bill we got we got to see a different side to Bill and a different side to Paul Mackey's acting this week where for virtually the whole story once they establish themselves on the space station she's nervous 
like very new. You can tell that she's not an experienced companion at this point. But you've really got to see more of a range. And you've got to see her nervous and struggling throughout the episode. Which I thought just allowed you to see another side. And I'm so pleased at how much they're fleshing out this companion. Yeah. If she is only here for this series, I feel like they're giving us a really fleshed out, really good companion. Um, and I do just want to touch on Nardo. As much as I love Matt Lucas and Nardo here is very much sort of, he, he really is the Doctor's conscience and the Doctor's voice of reason. And I think he does that really well, obviously, to the point where it is still annoying the Doctor. But at least we're not seeing much of a clash between Nardo and Bill. And it was just, it was nice to see the three, you know, the crowded TARDIS, three people on an adventure again. Um, I really enjoyed that. But if Matt, if Matt Lucas and Nardo are going to be used like that, you know, in a series of episodes, I feel like it might get a bit repetitive. Um, so that's all I really have to say on him. Um, and a lovely little uh, check-in, as I do love to do at the end of every review, of uh, a few references. Um, obviously, as pointed out uh, by a Den of Geek um, online, the uh, first line Peter Capaldi utters in the story of Space, the Final Frontier, they uh, thankfully pointed this out to me, that it is, of course, referencing uh, John Pertwee's story Frontier in Space, which was Roger Delgado's last uh, performance of The Master, and obviously we saw Missy in the next time trailer, and it all links like that. Um, apparently it was also used in this American sci-fi show called Star Trek. Don't know if you're familiar with that. You might be. Um, so it's probably also a reference to that. I'll uh, leave that one up to you. Um, obviously, Base Under Siege is something that we've seen in various different formats. It's not the first time that we've seen it in a space station either. I think back to uh, the Ark in Space, Tom Baker's Fourth Doctor, it was Fourth Doctor, Sarah Jane and Harry, right at the beginning of the Fourth Doctor's run when they're on Nerva Beacon. Um, also happened uh, Second Doctor and Jamie in the Wheel in Space. And then I suppose if you think, if you want to look at something new series, then you got to go right back to the beginning of Christopher Eccleston's time uh, something like the end of the world with that lovely space station of course we revisited you know that same space station throughout the course of that series um, the sonic screwdriver got destroyed of course something that happened before happened back in the classic series um, fifth doctor episode the visitation and then of course the sonic screwdriver got phased out in the classic series you know writers not wanting uh, to, to the Doctor to be too dependent on it and then of course in the new series it got destroyed in Smith and Jones uh, when it uh, when it got well, destroyed 
um, and then also eaten in uh, Christmas Carol, one of Matt Smith's Christmas episodes, which does link to um, one of my few uh, problems with the masterpiece that was the Day of the Doctor, the uh, Doctor Who 50th anniversary special. Uh, one of my very, very few uh, issues with that episode would be that um, the premise of, uh, you know, saving everything is that the Sonic Screwdriver is the same software, just a different case, and that it not really explained because it's a different Sonic Screwdriver. There are different iterations of the Sonic Screwdriver after they got destroyed and the Doctor was got new ones. But in my head, it's explained with the TARDIS issues them all and then, you know, it's like you get a new phone and you just upload everything from the previous phone to that. And that, but, but not talking about the 50th anniversary special, which is an episode I loved. It's another one of my real absolute favourites. Um, and obviously in this episode, at the end, the Doctor ends up blind. Um, while we've not had the Doctor go blind before, as I mentioned in my commentary, uh, Sarah Jane went blind uh, in the fourth Doctor episode, The Brain of Morbius. We also had for other another fourth Doctor companion, Leela, uh, briefly went blind in the horror of Fang Rock. Um, oh, an interesting uh, thing about that, uh, that was then the explosion of the Rutan ship in the horror of Fang Rock. Uh, also changed Leela's eye colour, um, but looking outside of uh, the actual show there, that was uh, actually because Louise Jameson, the actress who plays Leela, um, had an issue wearing uh, the brown contact lenses for her character. So uh, the writers wrote that in uh, to explain the change, which I thought was, you know, just so... If you didn't know about that, you wouldn't think anything of it. But I thought it was just cool they did that. And then also in uh, the Eighth Doctor TV movie, um, Grace Holloway briefly went blind after looking into the eye of harmony. Um, at the end of the episode, we saw the Doctor with his yo-yo, which definitely seems to be um, a, uh, a a Twelfth Doctor favourite, having used it in uh, both Kill the Moon and also in The Girl Who Died. Very interesting. That was also written by Jamie Matheson. Maybe it's just uh, a Jamie Matheson thing. Um, but he obviously was a fan of The Fourth Doctor, who did use it in an episode I've already mentioned, uh, The Ark in Space. Um, so yes, the Jamie Matheson, obviously a fan of The Fourth Doctor using it, and he has made The Twelfth Doctor a fan of using the yo-yo. And then moving on to uh, the last reference, one of my absolute favourites, the Fluid Link. Obviously, we first, you would have first seen the Fluid Links in uh, the story The Daleks back in 1963, the second ever uh, full story in Doctor Who back in the William Hartnell days. Um, and the Fluid Links have not been mentioned in an actual Doctor Who episode since the 60s. I believe their last reference um, was in the Mind Robber. So we've not had anything 
since the 60s. Um, unless, of course, as I did also mention in my commentary, you listen to Radio Free Scaro. Um, I have mentioned them in one of their segments they do. Um, and yes, obviously, either the Doctor was always lying because he wanted to explore the planet in the Daleks, or the Doctor may have just made some changes. It's very possible he just made changes to uh, the TARDIS since then, or maybe the TARDIS has adapted. Who knows? Maybe the TARDIS doesn't want him making changes. Uh, anyway, that concludes my review of Oxygen. And the only thing left to do is to rate the episode. Now, I sort of went back and forth with this episode in terms of how I would rate it. It wouldn't go right at the top for me. Um, I really loved last week's episode, Knock Knock. I know it wasn't seen as such a great episode by most people. Most people preferred Thin Ice the week before. Um, Thin Ice, you know, before today was probably my third favourite episode of this series. Not that that's a bad thing. I would give this episode, I would probably say that this episode, because the, I liked so much about it, and really it was a lot of nitpicking the stuff I didn't like, I would give this an 8 out of 10. I probably put this around the same level of Thin Ice and the Pilot. I think I definitely preferred the Pilot to this. And so, yeah, this is this has got to be on a par for me, probably just below Thin Ice, which would, you know, make this my, my fourth favourite episode of the series out of five. But that really isn't, you know saying too much because even Smile which was technically my least favourite episode of this series I still loved that episode um, and I've just loved this whole series so far and I just really hope that we don't get a, you know, a sleep no more that really ruins the last series um, or you know episodes like that which bring the series down I'd love if we could for, especially for Peter Capaldi to just finish off his time as the Doctor with a really good series. Um, so yes, I'll be back next week with a very interesting um, uh, commentary and review of next week's episode, which I really think should be called uh, Don't Blink, Don't Worry I Can't, I'm Blind. Um, that's probably a bit too long, but okay. Um so you please leave a like, comment and subscribe uh, so you don't miss another episode. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Tales underscore TARDIS or via email at Tales from the TARDIS podcast at gmail.com. Uh, I appreciate any feedback you have. Please let me know in the comments section or on Twitter or email. Um, I will see you next week. Until then. I've been Scott Summers and this has been Tales from the TARDIS podcast.